All right, good morning, one and all. 901 Sharp here in northern Wisconsin. Looks like we've got people rolling in. I really appreciate everybody showing up today, this morning. Going to be a good one today. Um, I saw Spicy Sarah was here. Congratulations, Spicy Sarah, on your new child. Everyone congratulates Spicy Sarah. She has brought a new gift of God onto this plane of existence. So, absolutely wonderful. Um, so, good, good to see you all here. We're going to talk about... Uh, Mark chapter 10 today is what we're going to do. Uh, so this is episode 21 of the Sunday service, Mark chapter 10. We're going to, we're going to look over and we're going to discuss the sacred marriage and great possessions is what we're going to talk about today. So, and we do service every Sunday, nine o'clock. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, if you're listening at home, we do, if you want to show up here every Sunday, central standard time, that's when we do broadcast. I'm thinking about doing, um, another show during the week, um, Maybe like a Wednesday or Thursday night or something like that, and and try to open up to phone lines and things like that every once in a while, so um, to get more of an interaction. Uh, also talking about maybe doing some interviews. So let me know your thoughts on some of that stuff and uh, what day would be good. I'm thinking maybe like a Wednesday or Thursday, um, just because I want to. There's there's a lot of other things I want to cover besides some of the stuff we're covering here. So um, all spiritually based, of course, but. So that would give an opportunity just to do that. So if people are interested in that, please let me know. I do want to say something here. I've got a guy who built my phone app. His name is Adrian, and he's worked on it for several years now, and he, and he built it uh, himself. And um, it's, it's a really great app, uh, and he actually just updated it, and I just want to, I just want to mention this. It's, in, it's a free app. You can just go to GnosticAcademy.org, and you can download the app right there. I think on the store you can download the app. And um, so it, you, you can see right here, it gives you the number of words, letters, the full reduction, the gematria total, the actual individual letters per, for the, for the, you know, the uh, excuse me, the individual numbers for the letters, as, as well as their um, gematria total. So it's just a handy little app. It's completely free. And I got to give him props because he does all of this stuff for free. He has for years and he refuses any payment. So I really appreciate that. It just, it means the world to me. Um, some of the new functions are uh, we've recategorized some of this stuff but you can actually go and click on the number down there like the gematria total 58 and it'll bring up sort of a, a dialog box and that'll give you all the sort of properties uh so some of the main properties of that number so it's count it's sum of divisors the number of divisors it has if it's a prime it's not a prime that sort of thing so much love to adrian and if you get a chance please stop by and and just pick that up you can just download it so okay welcome all yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. So thank you so much to Adrian. Give him props because I really appreciate that. Okay, let's do a prayer. This comes from the Common Book of Prayer. O gracious light, O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed. Now as we come to the setting of the sun in our eyes, behold the vesper light, we sing thy praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thou art worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Amen. Okay, let's do it. We got a lot to discuss today, so let's do it. Once again, we're going to do Mark chapter 10. We will finish this whole book for sure. I don't know if I'm going to do it in order because there's some other stuff I want to cover. Some upcoming live streams are going to be the Tarot deck. We're going to be uh, revisiting Genesis 1-1 going into probably all, at least to Genesis 1-3 at some point. We're going to be doing Let's Talk Astrology. 
Um, I want to cover Jonah and the Whale is another one that's on the on the hit parade. So there's a bunch of things coming up that I'm working on. And I also just this morning finished the last chapter of the main part of uh, the books. I'm, I'm putting together volumes one through three into one book. It's basically about 200 pages. And... Um, and I just finished that this morning, and it's uh, it's I'm I'm so excited for it. It's uh, I'm really I'm really hoping that you all pick it up because it's it's a nice concise volume. It gets right to the meat and potatoes of everything, and I'm I'm really proud of it. So, okay, let's do it. Mark chapter ten. Not too much astrology here, but I am going to cover some astrology in this first verse. You all can hear me, right? Yes, good morning all. Awesome, awesome. Okay, not too much astrology in this chapter. There, there actually is here and there, but I'm going to kind of go over that because there's other things I want to focus on here. But I do want to show some of the first things of the astrology that's mentioned just in this first verse here. And we've covered this in some of the other chapters earlier in Mark. So if you want a better explanation, because uh, I'm going to go over this sort of expedited, you know, quick. If you want a better explanation, you can go back um, and, and, and see those lectures. So... Mark 10, numero uno. And he arose, he arose from thence and cometh into the coasts of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. Of course, was, was wont means as he was, you know, as he does, that's what Jesus does. He taught them again. So he was a teacher. Um, I just want to mention before we get on here too, Amor just did a couple, the last couple videos he did, and he talked about the fact that what churches really should be, besides being a place for community, besides being a place that we come together and pray together and things like that, they should actually be temples of education. And that's one of the things that he talked about in one of his last videos, that you'll see Jesus again and again throughout these verses, and what is he doing? He's teaching. He's not getting together, but it's like, everybody, we're just going to get together and pray. Yes, I'm not saying he doesn't do that. I'm saying, but Again and again and again, we see throughout these verses, what is he doing? He's specifically teaching these people, the unlearned, the ignorant. He's like, I want you to know the way. And so our churches, and I think he made a fantastic point, really should be temples in which we go to learn at. There should be as much teaching as there is preaching done there, as much praying as there is teaching. Okay. Um, so here we arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. Okay, so the first thing we have here is we have whenever we see arise, arose, Aries, we've seen this time and time again. This is why I said that you're going to have to go back and, you know, to see all of these uh, instances. Arise, arose, Aries. What are we talking about? We're talking about an internal process that's happening right here. There's a process in the stars. There's one that's happening within and they reflect. And that's what the Zodiac Man is all about. And if you want to find the Zodiac Man, just go to your farmer's almanac. You don't have to comb through the pages of Esoterica and like, you know, look up dusty Rosicrucian documents. Just go down and grab a farmer's almanac. So that's where you'll get the Zodiac Man. So arise, Aries, arose. That's what we're talking about. He arose. And he arose and he went to Judea. What does Judea mean? What does it mean? Judea means, uh, the Greek name Judea is a, also a part of a cluster of words that have to do with the name Jew, of course, right? What is a Jew? It's a special, it's a, it's a gem, it's a stone, a jewel, is a precious stone. Of course, we talk about the stone, the philosopher's stone, that sort of thing. The place of the Jews, it means to praise. That's what it means from the verb yada. Remember in Seinfeld where they always go yada, yada, yada? To praise, to praise, to praise. Bunch of bunch of Jewish fellows that put that that show together. So Judea means to praise. So he arose to praise. He arose within himself to praise. 
the they went to Jordan, and Jordan, the name Jordan, means to flow down or to descend. That's what it means. So we're saying, hey, well, Jordan is this river in Israel. Okay, sure. But that river in Israel also has to have a correlate into the stars above, does it not? It has to have a reflection as above, so below. Where is that Where is that? Uh, that river in the stars? That's the river Aradnus. We go from the, the toe there of Orion, and that river flows down and descends into the southern celestial hemisphere. The sphere of stars that surrounds our flat stationary plane the sphere of stars, this river, this Aradnus River flows down. That's your Jordan. So, so we have, uh, he arose and he went, he went to the coasts of Judea to praise, right? And then he, and we went to cross the gate, we were crossed over to the Jordan, which means to flow down, to descend. We have Aradnus, so let's put this whole thing together. So there's your Jordan, there's your Aradnus. There's Aries, Arise, Arose. And he crossed over the coast, the coast of Judea, to praise. He arose to praise, to raise within, to praise. And he went to the Jordan River. So there's a bunch of astrology there that I just wanted to mention before we get on. Okay, Mark 10.2. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. The, these Pharisees and scribes, these are the Jews um, that are still around today, by the way, that have rejected Christ, re rejected their Messiah. They asked him a question in order to tempt him. Well, what does the devil do? Who tempts? The devil tempts. That's who does the tempting. Tempts you away from that way. That's the, the straight way. The straight and narrow way. Tries to tempt you away from that with contracts and here's offers and things like that. Oh, do you want to do some of this? That's what the devil does. He tempts. He's a tempter. He doesn't have any inherent power because he's just fallen from God. God has all the power. So what does he do? He uses, manipulates, inverts, perverts, takes things, put it on its head, tries to get you away from that true, the, the, the one true way. And that's what the devil does. So when we say, like, who are the, who are the Pharisees work on behalf of? Who, who do the scribes work on behalf of? I'll let you figure out the you know, the answer to that equation. <laughs> Clearly we see who they, who they work for. So they're trying to tempt him saying, Hey, Jesus, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, to divorce his wife? And he answered and said unto them, Jesus says, well, what did Moses tell you? What did, what did Moses command of you? And they said, well, Moses said to suffer Moses, uh, excuse me, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. So Moses said, it's totally cool if you get divorced. Now, where does he say this? He actually says this here. This is in Deuteronomy 24.1. It says, uh, when a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found her some uncleanliness in her, then let him uh, write her a bill of divorcement. So they can divorce and give it her in hand. And when she's departed out of his house, she may go and be with uh, and be another man's wife, be another man's wife. So it's totally cool to be divorced is what, what Moses said. And so they're, they're asking, is it cool? What did Moses say, Jesus? And Jesus, oops, sorry. And so Jesus, so they said, oh, Moses said it's cool to get divorced. And Jesus said, and he answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. That's why he said, that's why he told, that's why Moses informed you it was totally cool for you to get a divorce because of the hardness of your heart. That's why he made this precept. What's a precept? It's a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. 
Okay? So Jesus comes along and he says, the reason Moses said you could all get divorced is because you're a bunch of swine. You're a bunch of dogs. Because you don't live in any way, shape, or form in alignment with that which is sacred and divine. This is exactly what we covered just, I think, two chapters ago when Jesus told all the entire tradition of the Pharisees and the scribes, he told their entire tradition, not one of you is going to see a sign. Not one of you. And the Pharisees, I forget what chapter this is. I should have written that down. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, once again, tempting him, tempting him, seeking of him a sign from heaven. And Jesus is like, well, um, first off, I'm right here, bro. <laughs> so, and he sighed deeply in spirit. He's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, me. Why doth this generation seek after a sign? I'm right in front of you. The words that I'm speaking are coming right out of my mouth and going into your ear holes. I'm right in front of you. The truth, the light, the light of all lives, the light of all lights. Why did this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. In other words, not one of you are going to reach salvation. Not one of you are going to go back into the comforting arms of God. Not a single one of you. There shall be no sign given to this. What generation is he talking about? The Pharisees and the scribes. Not one of you are going to see, see that sign. What is the sign that we seek? Well, St. John tells us in Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. The revelation of Jesus Christ was God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant. What is signified? It means the meaning or idea expressed by a sign. He signified it. Not one of you are going to receive a sign. Not one of you. So why did, so Jesus is saying, why did Moses say it's totally cool for you guys to get divorced? Because you're a bunch of swine anyway. That's how you live. Go ahead. I'll set a precept. Not one of you are going to get up to the gates of heaven. Not one of you are going to be up there entering into the joy of the Lord, singing the songs of the Lamb, and hanging out with Moses up there. Not one of you. That's what he's saying. So, so then Jesus goes on to say, what about this marriage? So Moses said it was okay for you swine to get to divorce. Why is it not okay to get divorced? But from the beginning of creation, uh, Mark 10, 6, but from the beginning of creation, that's important, the beginning of creation, from the very beginning, God made them male and female. For this cause shall, I, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave, cleave to his wife. Cleave means to come together, cleave, cling to. And they twain, twain means two, and they twain shall be one flesh, two shall be one. So then they are no more two, but one flesh. When you get married, you get married. What he's saying here, what God, what God has commanded in the beginning of Genesis is saying, you, when you get married, you come together, you become one flesh. That, that soul, that spirit, that unites, it unites with each other and you become one. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And we know that in the beginning, God created male and female because of Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. Okay. In order to understand why the, like the, the whole point of this story here, we need to uh, utilize the hermeneutic approach. Okay. We need to utilize that fourfold patristic approach to understand what is the base level of this story? What is the meaning of that? And then what is that anagogic? 
So for a review, the fourfold patristic approach is your classic methodology in which in which to go and decipher the, the, the stories of the Bible. There's the literal, which is just a literal story. That's all it is. It's basically, I, we, I say it, it's the vehicle to encode and carry the deeper messages contained therein. You have the literal, the moral, the allegorical. We all basically know what morals and allegor allegories are, right? So literal, moral, allegorical, anagogical. Anagogical is the occult. That is the, um, it's the entire spiritual message of the story. It's the esoteric, mystical, or secret meaning. That's what the anagogic means. So in order to understand this story, we need to understand, hey, the literal as well as the anagogic. And that's really what this is all about. The literal of this is saying, hey, marriage is sacred. The marriage is between a man and a woman, not a woman and a woman and a man and a man. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Why? Well, you don't need some stupid holy book to figure that one out because a man and woman coming together to make a child is one of the most beautiful things in the world, number one. Number two, it's procreation. That's what it is. That's what it's called, right? Man and woman come together, make a child. That's procreation. Pro meaning for. Creation means to produce or to beget. Can a man and a man produce and beget a child? No. Can a woman and woman produce and beget a child? No. A man and a woman have to come together to make that happen. So therefore, they are pro for creation. Marriage is sacred. It's the most one of the one of the most sacred acts that we engage in, and um, so that's the literal meaning. That's your surface level story. Hey, guess what? A man and woman coming together is one of the most divine things that happens down here, and when those two come together, think about what's happening. You come together, this person, I say, I'm going to give myself, my entirety to you. I'm going to love you forever. I'm going to be with you forever through thick and thin, through rich and poor, sickness and health. You can get boils and get all fat and stuff like that. I'm still going to love you. It doesn't really matter. You come together and you do that and you bring all your family and your community together and you do it and you announce it to the entire universe under God's, under God's jurisdiction and commandment. We love each other and are going to get married. And God's like, yes, come together. And Jesus is saying, you break that up, What happens? It's well. It's a. It's an affront to God. It's what it is. When we look to the horizon, what do we see? Actually, let me let me say this before we get to there. So, the marriage is sacred. Obviously, that's the literal. The anagogical, though, is the sacred marriage, and we'll talk about the sacred marriage. And in the beginning, as he says, if you remember, he says, in the beginning, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. In the beginning of creation, the first thing in creation is the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The beginning created, God created the immaterial and the material, the spirit and the matter, the upstairs and the downstairs, the father in heaven and the material mother earth below. When we look out to the horizon, what do we see? We find the heavens above reaching down to greet mother earth as she reaches back up to greet the canopy of the heavenly father above. The merging of heaven above and earth below is right at our eye lines. These two unite in perfect harmony and balance, complementing each other in an undying bond, one keeping this whole beautiful creation stable and rigid like the solid earth below our feet and yet flowing and fearless like spirit itself. The circle of heaven, emer the circle of heaven merges with the square of earth and this magical event is surrounding us all the time. Every day, our very eyes bring together the heaven and the earth. 1 John 4.16 exclaims that, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love 
dwelleth in God and God in him. When we dwelleth in love, when we get that sacred marriage, God dwells in us and we in him. Don't break that apart. Don't throw that asunder. Um, as, God is the, as God is the foundation of all, all, all being and God is love, we recognize that his love is above us and below us, within us and all around us. And we, when we dwelleth in this love, we dwelleth in the divine. Man is the reflection of the great marriage of spirit and matter, heaven and earth, and of God and man. By loving each other, honoring each other, committing to one another, our delight is shown in the eye of God. It's one of these beautiful things. It's one of, one of the most beautiful things that happens down here. And Jesus is saying, recognize that as sacred. And don't just cast that asunder. And the only reason Moses said to you that you get a divorce is because you're not sacred beings. You're, 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 you're acting profane. You're being spiritual, spiritual children. You're being swine. So we have marriage is sacred, but we also have the sacred marriage. The literal, hey, let no man, man and woman come together. Don't put it asunder. What's the anagogic? What's the occult meaning? This is the sacred marriage. This is the alchemical marriage. This is recognized that you are born with, you, you come, you are born from a man and woman. That's how you're created, from a man and a woman. Left and right coming together to make you. So ultimately the sacred marriage, as it's known in alchemy, and we've, we covered this before with the bridegroom of Jesus, um, <clears throat> That's merging the opposites within. That's recognizing that you're made from that electromagnetism, that you know, that polar, and left and right, and you want to merge them into one. This is the entire process of reconciliation of opposites, uniting opposites, whatever that opposite is, hot and cold, darkness, light, man and woman, up and down, left and right, forward and reverse, black and white. You bring all of those things together into the one, oneness. And that's what the alchemical marriage is ultimately talking about. So on a literal level, we see what's happening here. Hey, when you, once, you, once you bring that together, it's the most sacred thing in the world because you brought two into one. You defied the laws of mathematics in one sense, right? You, two into one. Don't put it asunder. And that's, once again, this is what the bridegroom means. We, we, I think this was in chapter, I want to say four. I want to say chapter four, something like that, maybe maybe three or four, that all of a sudden we're in this story and next thing you know, Jesus starts talking about a marriage. And it's like out of nowhere. Like what, what is the marriage? What is the bridegroom? What, now why are we talking about marriage again? Why is this so important? Because there's a metaphysical happening. You know, this is the Ida. This is the Ida and the Pingala, the left and the right serpent shooting up through the Shishumna. That's the man and the woman merging into one, as I like to say, celestial beam of faith, going right up to arise, to praise. Everybody get that? And in the house, his disciples ask him again of the same matter. So they asked him again about this, uh, about this sacred marriage. Like, what's going on, Jesus? And he saith unto them, Whosoever hath put, put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. I think we all know what adultery is, right? Adultery is voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not a spouse. He's reiterating the fact that, look, marriage is an extremely sacred thing. We don't treat sex. I mean, I can't say we. I say in general, our society doesn't treat sex as a sacred act. They don't treat marriage a lot of times as a sacred act. 
It's like, oh, I'm on my fifth marriage. If this one doesn't work out, well, we'll try it again. That doesn't please God. Seek out to find her, guys, and vice versa. And they brought young children, so, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Why would they rebuke them? Well, they're children. They don't understand, right? They don't understand it yet. They don't understand the mysteries yet. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me. We want to reach that state of childish, not childishness, but being back into the, the, the wonder and the like aweness of being a child again. It's returning to that. That's why we're called children of God in one sense. We want to return to that state of just everything is pure and beautiful. Before you were, let's say this, pure before you were distorted by society and all the lies in the world and stuff like that. It's, so, it's like a return to this. So he's saying, don't reject those children. Bring them on to me. They're part, of, they're part of my church as well. When he saw it, when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said, hey, suffer the children to come unto me and forbid them not. Don't forbid those children. For of such is the kingdom of God. The state of childhood for such is the kingdom of God. When you get to that place where you're, you know, you see the world just like as a child, everything is like, you know, when a butterfly enters the room, it's like the most magical thing in the world. Like, oh, like, oh look at this. It's like getting to that state again. It's really, it's really getting to a sense of um, a, a mystical mindset. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. What is he saying? Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. You want to get to back to that state of, once again, just wonderment of the world. We also talked about the fact that the word child has the, has the light, that, that light. C-H-I-L-D is 36524. 365, they, they say anyway, there's 365.24 days in the solar year. That's what, that's what they say right now anyway. In general, we know that the pattern of the sun is 365. That pattern is a cycle of what? Death and renewal, death and transformation, right? We also know that that death and that death and renewal, the death as it rises, the sun rises on the horizon, it goes up to its high point, and then it dies in the sunset, metaphorically, poetically, if you will, and then rises again. It's death and renewal, death and renewal. So the diurnal cycle of the sun tells us about that returning ultimately of death and, and transformation, the diurnal cycle, the 24-hour day cycle tells us about, and the yearly cycle, 365, tells us about that. So the, the, that, that both of those cycles, talking about death and rebirth within the word child. So then he takes these ch children, he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them. He put his hands upon them again. The power of the hands. We are made in God's image. We are of one mind with Christ. The same hands that Christ has, we have. It is the gift of the Gentiles to understand Christ within. No separation. And he took them up in his arms. He took the children up in his arms. He put his hands upon them and blessed them. And when he was gone forth into the way, we're going to talk about the way. Talk about the way. We'll end, we'll end this whole thing with discussing the way. And he was gone forth into the way. The ever-flowing way of, of, of nature, of, of God's emanations. There came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? How do I get to salvation, God? What do I need to do? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? 
There is none good but one. That is God. What did we just do? We just underwent the alchemical marriage. We just brought all the differentiations into the world into one celestial beam of faith. We brought all the opposites together into one. And then, of course, we have that in the verse as well, where he talks about, hey, what is the act of marriage? The two shall become one flesh. So this guy's asking, how do I get to, where am I? How do I get to eternal life? How do I sing the, so, the songs of the glory of the Lamb? Lamb, Jesus, how do I do this? Good master, what do I do? Why callest me good? There is none good but one. That is God. There is none good but one, comma, that is, comma, God. Oneness. That's what he's saying. How do we do that? You have to return, returning to sources, returning to the one true God, uniting with that. Unity literally means one. This is where we get the word unit. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy mother, uh, father and mother. You, Jesus is basically saying, dude, you know the commandments. It's not that difficult. Honor the mother and the father. Do not kill. Do not steal. Don't break the golden rule. Some basic stuff. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. I did all those things. Um, I want to I mention one thing. Let me go back to that. We'll go back to that. No, let's talk about that here. Before we go on, sorry. Getting ahead of myself. Why callest, thee, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. When we talk about one, we are talking about ultimately the one spirit. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. We just talked about this. We're going to revisit it. Whether we are bond or free and have all been made to drink into the one spirit. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope you're calling, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. For through him we both have access by one spirit. What is this one spirit? Spirit is the animating, this is the etymology of spirit. It's the animating or vital principle in man and animals. Spirit, spiri, I think is how you say that. Spirit, soul, and directly from Latin, spiritus, a breathing. Breath, breath of God, inspiration, breath of life life. It's the non-physical part of a person, which is the seat or emotions and character of the soul. The breath is the air taken into or expelled from the lungs. You are breathing in the one spirit. Your spirit is the animating or vital principle in man and animals. It's the thing that you take in and breathe in that allows you to animate and be a vital, you know, it's the it's to be not animalistic, but to be animated. That's the one spirit. That one spirit that keeps repeating all throughout this one spirit, one spirit, one spirit is all around us. We are all breathing in the one spirit. It's literally the definition. Breath. Do you breathe different air than I do? No. We all breathe the same air. We all breathe the one spirit. We all have the one spirit within us. This is what Jesus is saying to find. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. 
It's the one God that flows through all things. When you get down to the nitty gritty of Christian mysticism, it's more it's more in line with Native American spirituality than it is in anything. It has more to do with that, or it's better understood as like mystic Native American, you know, spirituality than it than it has anything to do with what's being taught down at the churches. We're breathing in the one spirit all the time. So, that said, um, so then he's like, hey, well, how do I do this stuff? Hey, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't bear false witness, defraud not, honor the mother and the father. You know the rigmarole. You know what to do, bro. Okay? And he answered, he said, Master, I've done all these things. I've done all these things. And Jesus returns and says this. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. He didn't, he's not saying this because he hates him. And said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. Where is it? Where's like a treasure chest, your treasure chest. Where's your, where's your treasure? Where's your chest? It's right here. And there's a treasure in there. What's, what's in, what's in your, it's your heart. There's that. Give everything away, sell it all, give it to the poor, all the material treasures you have Get rid of them, and then you'll have your treasure in heaven. And this guy was sad about it. He's like, oh, my God, I have all this nice stuff. I got this freaking, you know, I've got my my Cadillac Escalade, and I've got the Gucci stuff, and, you know, all this other stuff. And he was sad at that, saying, and went away and grieved, for he had great possessions. This guy had great possessions. What does possessions mean? Possessions means the state of having, owning, or controlling something. And what does possession mean? It means the state of being controlled by a demon or spirit. This guy had great possessions. Why? Because he was possessed by his material possessions. And this is why I like to say the devil loves the materialist as possession comes from one's possessions. If you relate yourself to the things that you own, it's like this, what is that fight club thing here? I think I have it, yeah, here. The things you own end up owning you. It's only after you lose everything that you're free to do anything. And this is this idea that, you know, if you if you relate yourself to your stuff, then you, you, you're, you're not a free spirit. You're not because you're constantly tethered to this material world, the, the impermanent, the temporary. You're like, oh, this thing that this object of mine, this is, it's all fleeting. It's all going to pass. It's all going to go away. If you try to cling on to that stuff, this is what the Amish are actually very good at doing, is not holding on to the material world. They, they understand very well if that a house burns down, well, it's just God, God wills it, Deus fault. If they lose a tooth, it's like, well, that's what God wanted. They don't freak out about it. They don't get vain about it. They don't feel like, oh, my, I am my stuff. They've released themselves, at least in, in, in that respect, from clinging to the materiality. This is what Jesus is saying. You are clinging to the, to the material world. You love all of your stuff. And that's why you have great possessions. Man, but it's more than just your material things. Because it's not, that, not saying that there's anything wrong with having some nice stuff. It's saying that if you identify with that and cling to it, that's not going to end well for you because you are not on the path. You're not in the way. You realize that that's all temporary. Man clings to the temporary here instead of living in the eternal. 
Man relates his wealth to the material instead of being rich with spirit. This is this is what's being said here. It's like great possessions. Just you don't need possessions. You don't want to be possessed. You want to be free. Well, under your master, Christ. And what does he say? He says, And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? These people that, once again, they relate themselves to their material possessions, their wealth, and they think that because this, like, because there's so many people think that, look, that's why God's rewarding me because I've got all this nice stuff. Nope. Nope, that's not how it is. In fact, it's probably the other way around. How many, how many rich people that are working at like the World Economic Forum and NATO and the UN and all these billionaires and the, the 1% and all this other stuff, how many of those people do you think that God's going to be like, come on up here. Oh, please come sit right, sit right by my right side here. Not too many, right? And the disciples were astonished. Oh, and, he, and, and Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples, do children really care about material possessions? No, they don't care at all, right? <laughs> you get a bunch of children, put them in a sandbox, they'll just throw sand all day. Uh, it's only when we're taught the, to, to make them possessed. And the disciples were astonished at the words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that, turn, that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Do you put your trust in material possessions? No. Do you put your trust in anything down here, men? No. That's what Gnosticism is all about. It's easier for a camel, the great line. I mean, this is just, just dripping wet poetry here. It is easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Amen. And they were astonished out of measure. Do you know what the, one of the most treasures you can have in the world, as I've found out over the years, is marriage. You want to be rich. Find, find a good partner. You'll enrich your life in ways you've never thought possible. My wife and I have an outhouse, and we feel like we're wealthy. <laughs> and they were astonished out of measure. They measured stuff, math. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. If you put your trust in the material, the temporary, the impermanent, all the stuff down here, not going to get in heaven. It's impossible. You put your trust and faith in the Lord. All things are possible. And where is that Lord? This is, this is the thing. It's with us all the time. The one spirit. We're breathing it in all the time. And Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that le hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, though you're going to be persecuted, and in the world to come eternal life. Saying you do this, you're, verily I say unto you, there's, you, you'll have it all. And in the world to come, you will have eternal life. You follow that way, in other words. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. What is he saying? It's all one. I am the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I am that which is, now, which was yesterday, 
and which is to come. I'm the whole dang thing. Kit and caboodle. That which will be first will be last. That which will be last will be first because it's one and the same. It's talking about ultimate unity. That's what the whole thing is about. Two men, a man and woman coming together, become twain. One flesh, right? The two become one. How do I get into, how do I get into heaven, God? One. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem and, and Jesus went before them and they were amazed. Of course, it's Jesus. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the 12, the 12, and began to tell them what things should happen to on him. So now Jesus is saying, just like we saw in last chapter, Jesus is going to tell them again of the prophecy of death and resurrection. He's going to say it again. Remember, we just covered it, I think it was in the last chapter, where he was saying it and the disciples were like, what does he mean? I don't even understand what's going on, the death and resurrection. Here it is again. 33, uh, Mark 10, 33, saying... Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be, liver, shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, those people that are scribbling the Torah, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and they shall split, spit upon him, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. He's given them the prophecy. And John and James, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, as we know, Fiery preachers, they are. They said, Master, we would that thou should do us, should do us, do us for us whatsoever we shall desire. Let me say that again. Master, we would that thou should doest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? In other words, what will you do for us what we desire? What do you want? He's saying, Jesus in return. They said unto him, Grant us that we that we may sit one on the right hand and, other, and the other on the left hand in, in thy glory. The hands again. They're asking to sit on the right hand and on the left hand of God. What do we do? We take those two hands and what do we do in prayer? We bring them together in the unity of opposites. The alchemical marriage. Uniting those two as one. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I am baptized with, ye shall be baptized. Yes, you are one with me. Yes, we do have one mind. Yes, you are breathing the one spirit. Yes, you will be baptized with me. Yes, I am within you because I am the eternal present. I cannot be I can. I have to be with you. It's part of the whole Trinitarian break, uh, breakdown. I'm always with you. Yes, you will be baptized with me. Yes, you will drink of my cup. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. Who, just as we learned last chapter, when, when a gift is given from God, it's from what? The Father. The Father. But it shall be given to them... For whom it is prepared, whom it is prepared, who prepares the self to receive it. And then when the, the ten heard it, so there's a bunch of math here that I, I just don't have time to go into, unfortunately. But notice he said he got the twelve, then he had John and James, and the ten. Then the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to, uh, to him and saith unto him, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. What is he saying here? 
you you guys know that that which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. We talked about the lordship. When we understand that God has put that scintilla or spark in the center of us, that means Christ, the Lord, is within us. And he, that spark, that light, becomes Lord of your manner. That's who lords. That's who is in control of this. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, they rule over the Gentiles because the Gentiles... This is why Jesus is teaching them because they don't understand the Lord within. He's trying to teach them this. They, because they don't know, they replace that Lord within. They replace that that spot with them, with themselves. Oh, we're your Lord. We're your God. We have jurisdiction over you. You must follow our laws and things like that. You're below us. You don't have the spark of God within you. You don't breathe the Holy One Spirit. No, it's us. Exercise lordship over them. The ship, the vessel. And their great ones, the intelligent ones, the master rabbis, exercise authority upon them. Who's the authority though? We know who the authority is. It's who authored us. And that's God Almighty. That's your only authority. The only authority you have besides God Almighty is when you're a child, teenager, boy, girl, whatever, and your parents are your authority. Why are they your authority? Because they authored you. Until you become of age where you can take responsibility for yourself. God is still the authority over your parents, of course. Because he's, he's the one that authored this entire creation. Then he goes on to say, But so shall it be, uh, excuse me, But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. What is this? Servant minister. You're ministering onto. You're serving people. What is this? This is a church service. You're giving in service to people. Why? Because that's what God, that's what Jesus is doing. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered onto, not to be, not to have some people lord over him and exercise their authority upon him. No, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I think we all know what that means. Now, uh, this is, we're going to end this here. So I just want to point this out. So here we just have this story of like, oh, this, this guy's, you know, was going to, he's trying to find out how to go to heaven and things like that. And then he talks to the disciples and they're like saying, hey, go to the right hand and left hand. And there's a baptism there and blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, we get to Mark 10, 46. And it says this, and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So there was this dude that's on the side of the highway begging. Who is this dude? Well, it, and who, what, what do all these terms mean? Well, this is where we have to go and uh, look, up the, look up the meaning of these words. Um, in Arabic, Hebrew, and Greek alike, Jericho uh, means this is a gender-neutral name of Arabic or origin. It translates from Arabic to mean the city of the moon. So we can say here that, so they came to the city of the moon. And as they went out of the city of the moon, okay, who is Bartabas? Bartabas means honorable son. The name Bartabas is a primary, primarily a, a male name of Greek origin that means honorable son. So, in other words... They went to the city of the moon, and then they went out of the city of the moon, and then 
they uh, they went uh, and his disciples and a great number of people with blind honorable son. So we've got a, a moon and a sun there. Now, um, a and actually Timaeus, by the way, which we'll get into in just a second. Timaeus, or right now. Timaeus means to honor. So we have honorable son and honor. Honor. There's a lot of honor there. Aeus is the suffix, which means made of. Okay? So used to form adjectives from nouns, and so to nominally indicate the source of an attribute. In other words, you put something, a prefix, you put aeus or aeus or eus at the end, it means made of this. Um, there's a few. Argentum is silver. Argenteus means made of silver. Example. So what is Timaeus made of? Timaeus is made of time. He's the made of time. So let's put this together. And they came to the city of the moon. And as he went out of the city of the moon with his disciples and a great number of people, blind, honorable son, the son of this being that is made of time, sat by the highway side begging. So let's put this whole thing together. In, in Mark, literally within this whole chapter right here, in this one verse, you have basically a celestial story happening. Timaeus is made of time. How do we map and track time? Usually with the two, uh, I mean, lunar solar calendars are replete <laughs> throughout the world. We make calendars based on the, the rising and setting of the sun, number one, and correlate those uh, to the moon. So in, other, in, in order to map and track time, you have to focus on the two celestial bodies in the sky. That would be the sun and the moon. What is that? So it's Timaeus, made of time, Jericho, the city of the moon, Bartimus, which is the honorable sun, which is the sun of time itself. So smack dab in the middle of this story. It started with a bunch of um, astrology, by the way, if you, if you, if you uh, remember. We talked about Jordan and the praise and all that other stuff. So here... Mark 10, 46 is like, oh, the city of the moon, the city of the moon, and then the son of time, oh, the honorable son, which is the son of made of time. So this guy that was an honorable son, and you'll see that in the story because Jesus is going to, you know, he's going to be like, hey, you're, you're cool with me. He sat by the highway side begging. He's an honorable son, but he's a beggar. He's a lowly kind of guy. So think about the contrast, contrast we just had. This guy was like, hey, I did all these things that you wanted. I didn't, like, I honored my mother and father, and I didn't steal, and I didn't, like, defraud anybody. I didn't do all that stuff. And the, But I had all these great possessions. And Jesus is like, well, in order to get into heaven, you're going to have to give all those uh, things away. And he was all upset about it. This guy's begging on the side of the street, and Jesus is going to become like, oh, you're, he's going to come right up to him and be like, you're worthy. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, who's begging on the side of the street, he's the son of time, he's an honorable son, he's uh, is on the side of the street begging, and he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was here. Nazareth equals 27, Jesus equals 27. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Why is it important that Jesus is the son of David? Because the Jews said that their Messiah would be the son of David, would be a, from, the, from the line of David. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Hey, you, begging person, shut your mouth. You're obviously not worthy of Christ's attention and time. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise. Be of good comfort, rise. Ares, arise, arose, 
rise. What do I want you to do? Jesus is saying, what do I want you to do? I want you to take that light from down here. Oh, blind man, as we're going to see, he can't see. I think this is right, if he can't see. You're going to arise. That energy is going to go up within you to the ram, to the lamb, to the top. The top of the mountain. That's what's going to happen. Be of good comfort. Arise. And he, casting away his garment, rose, came to Jesus. Mark 10, 50. And he, casting away his garment, rose. There's that rose again. Let's go here. Rise, rose, Aries, arise. All this, it started, it started this whole chapter with this. And he arose thence and went forth to Judea and the Jordan and all these other stuff. Arise, arose, casting away his garment. What is it saying there? Material body. He, re, he realizes he's not just this flesh vehicle. He is not may, he is not relating himself to the material world. He arose within, Christ within arose, and he cast away the material, the temporary, the impermanent, cast it out of here. And Jesus answered and saith unto him, What, with, uh, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus asked him, what do you want? And he's saying, I want to see again. I want to see. I want to have the sight. I was blind. I want to be able to see. I was sick. I was healed. I was dead. I was reborn. I couldn't walk. I walked. I had a withered hand. It was formed. Um, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy faith had made thee whole. What's wholeness? It's oneness. It's unity. It's totality. And immediately he received his sight. He could see because he could see the wholeness. He could recognize the one spirit that flows through all things. He could see it. He could recognize Christ with him. He cast off his material body. He recognized that he is a metaphysical, from a metaphysical source and a, and a spirit. And he followed Jesus in the way. And when we talked about you know, this is more like Native American spirituality when you read it mystically and correctly. Uh, the Tao, the way is the Tao. It's the core and essence of Taoism and the major theme of the Day Tao Ching, the, uh, the oldest and most important classic on Taoism. It can be described as the idea of the primordial natural law in which all the universe has been given its shape and mechanics. Also, this law keeps on ruling how all things in the world should behave. It is the force of God, his order, his design, his purpose flowing through all things, everything. That's the way. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life, the life is salvation. The truth is the, the just object, objective truth about everything in this world. Anytime you find truth that's, you know, foundational, that is Christ. And the way is what? It's the primordial natural law in which all the universe has been given its shape and mechanics. It's flowing through all things. So, that's what he could see. He followed Jesus in the way. Okay, that is going to do Mark chapter 10, $30. Ooh, thank you. Eric C., thank you as always for your work, Money and Jen. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. 144 watching. That's a good number. That's a good number. Chris Forte, $10. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. Let me go back and make sure that there's no super chats. 
Uh, please check out, I don't know if, uh, I didn't see if Amor has a new one this morning, but please uh, love not the world. That's right. That's right, Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Your possessions possessive, exactly. You guys get it. You guys get it. Um, yes, thank you for those super chats. I appreciate that. So uh, go over to Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. I'm not sure if he has one this morning, but um, he, he, we just watched, like I said, the last two, and they were fantastic. Really great. I love the point that he made. Um, well, the one he talked about, the three levels of initiation and all these different you know orders and religions and things like that, masonry, he talks about orthodoxy, he talks about the Vedanta, uh, all of these things, the same themes in every single one. And it's, you know, and that's why the Gnostic embraces all these traditions, doesn't reject them. Because you see that there's, there's truth, there's truth there. And so, um, yeah, so uh, please check it out. Uh, Artie, Clafadu, $49.99, never feed the trolls. I know, I got to stop feeding the trolls. No. But I'm, I'm pretty short, so I'm kind of troll-like, you know what I mean? I'm like five foot nothing and a half, so I'm, I'm kind of elfkin, kind of troll. So instead, don't feed the trolls. Like, well, what if I'm hungry? Okay, anyway, enough of the stupid jokes. Please give another uh, congratulations to Spicy Sarah if you see her, because uh, Spicy Sarah and Griff, congratulations on your beautiful child. It's so fantastic. Um, so happy to hear that. Next week, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I think we'll do... Um, oh, what is Patriot Astrologer? Oh, great work. Arise. Thank you, Patriot Astrologer. I, I don't know if we're going to do Mark chapter 11 next week. It's kind of a shorter chapter anyway. I think there's only 30-some verses. But I do want to do something on astrology. I really want to talk about astrology. Let's talk astrology and maybe do like an hour and a half on that and talk about sidereal, sidereal astrology, zodiacal astrology, or, the, or you know, tropical, excuse me. <laughs> uh, sidereal and tropical, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm totally losing my freaking brain, <laughs> brain fart there. Tropical and sidereal astrology is what we're going to talk about uh, when we do that and talk about the difference between the circle and the square, heaven and the earth, and why there is a difference what, um, and that sort of stuff. Why astrology is important, why there's, why we're given distinctions to, hey, is, is that group of stars really a lion? No, obviously not. Why are we given it that distinction? Why is that important? Why would we give groups of stars names and particular characteristics in the first place? That sort of stuff we're going to cover. So... Um, okay, that's going to do it for me. Guys, please check out Amor over at Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Like I said, he should have a new one. If not uh, uh, today, I'm sure sometime this week. And I think that's going to do it for me. Um, oh, yes. Uh, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Let's, let's, just, uh, let's just do this right. Oh, I don't have my, I don't have my outro. How dare I? Um, well, I'll just say this. May you always keep yourselves in the love of... Our Lord and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, and may his grace be with you forever. Amen. I'll say that. We're going to uh, exit here. I'm going to be on for maybe like five minutes. We're going to listen to a track on the way out called Chaos and Order off my record, uh, Logos Rising, which you can get at GnosticAcademy.org. If you get a chance, please um, become a member um, at GnosticAcademy.org. I lost all my... It doesn't matter. You can become a member for five bucks a month, 14 quarterly or 54 for the year. Uh, please, if you get a chance, you can donate there. You can become a member, tithing. There's tons of stuff there, all the old podcasts, documentaries, music. You can read the books there, uh, all sorts of stuff. And lots more to come on the horizon. Like I said, volumes one through three will be out hopefully within the next month. I'll be working on a um, constitution of the order kind of thing. And then the next book, 
major book I'll be working on will be the astrology of the Holy Bible. And that book is, uh, we've already got a, we, Jennifer has already helped with that and has put an index in the back of like all of the, um, all of the star patterns, all the constellations, some of their, you know, uh, attributes, what their names, the etymology and stuff like that. So it's already an just absolutely fantastic reference manual. Uh, if you want to learn this stuff, the book itself will be a reference manual as, as well as, um, you know, going into detail, all this astrology that's clearly in the Holy Bible. So, okay. I just want to say that. Um, all right, let's do it. This is called Chaos and Order from Logos Rising. I love you guys all. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your week and wonderful Sunday. And that's going to do it. As always, many blessings and much love to all.